Hello and welcome to Stories to Fall Asleep To, the second season of Reading with Carrie. This mindfulness podcast incorporates ASMR elements to help reduce your stress, relieve your anxiety, and lull you to sleep. I am your host, Carrie Favel, and I am so thankful that you've decided to spend some time with me. Welcome back to another episode. I still haven't heard any feedback on a survey or my email, so I've tried to be honest with myself and I've decided to take a break after the season finale of season two. I do have content planned for a season three, but I do not have that release date scheduled. I'll get into it in the season finale of season two and discuss more with you then, but I just wanted to go ahead and give you a heads up that uh, we will be taking a little break at the end of June. But as always, let's first start with a brief breathing exercise. This is the mindful emotional state of love. Close your eyes and we are again going to focus on our breathing first. We always focus on the breath first. Inhale in, two, three, four. Hold it for a moment and exhale, two, three, four. Just breathe deeply without forcing it. Deeply in, pause and out, pause. We're going to do this a couple of times, just focusing on our breath. You can even say the words breathing in, hold, breathing out, focus on the moment and feel any sensation you might have in your body. Go over your body, check every piece for any sensations. Is your body trying to communicate anything with you? Are you holding tension in your shoulders? Are your feet tired from a long day? Just focus. And if you're feeling completely fine, maybe put your thumb and a finger together and Just feel what that sensation is as you do small, gentle circles. Where are your hands resting? Sink deeper into whatever you're leaning on. The bed, a chair, the floor. Just relax with deep inhales in and a nice deep exhale. Is any body part tingling? Do you have a slightly cold body part? Maybe something's warm? If that sensation disappears, move on and find another sensation. The pressure on your legs or the way your hands are resting. Just be in this moment in the here and now. And as you sit here, where does the emotion of love come from? To receive it, you must give it. So where do you give love from? Focus on giving love. 
think about who you give love to. It might be a friend, a family member, a pet. This person or pet or thing might be close to you physically or they might be far away. Truly send out your love right now to feel the sensation of love. And now hold on to that sensation of love and let it circulate and let it flow out as love takes over you. Give your love, sending out love to who you choose, and as such, feel the love overcome you, truly and deeply, the sensation of love wash over your whole body. Sending out the love and feeling the love warm your spirit, warm your chest, it's like a nice, gentle hug. And now open your eyes slowly and allow this feeling to radiate through you in this moment. Just be and live and feel love. Let it spread out of your body as you sit in the moment of love. Great job. You finish this exercise. And as always, you know it, I love to give a nice, deep, relaxing sigh. So just hug on to that feeling of love. Let it burn gently in your heart as you inhale and sigh. And now here's the story. The Pied Piper of Hamelin by Robert Browning. Hamelin Towns in Brunswick by famous Hanover City. The River Wesser, deep and wide, washes its walls on the southern side, a pleasanter spot you never spied. But when begins my ditty, almost 500 years ago, to see the townsfolk suffer so from vermin was a pity. Rats, they fought the dogs and killed the cats, and bit the babies in the cradles, and ate the cheeses out of the vats, and licked the soup from the cook's own ladles, spilt open the kegs of salted sprats, made nests inside men's Sunday hats, and even spoiled the women's chats by drowning their speaking, with shrieking and squeaking, in fifty different sharps and flats. At last the people in a body to the town hall came flocking. "'Tis clear," cried they, "'our mayor's a naughty, and as for our corporation, shocking, to think we buy gowns lined in ermine, for dolts that can't or won't determine what's best to rid us of our vermin. You hope, because you're old and obese, to find in the furry civic robe ease? Rouse up, sirs, give your brains a racking, to find the remedy we're lacking, or, sure as fate, we'll send you packing. And this the mayor and corporation quaked with a mighty consternation. An hour they sat in council. At length the mayor broke silence. For a gilder I'd mine ermine gown sell. I wish I were a mile hence. It's easy to bid one rack one's brain. I'm sure my poor head aches again. I've scratched it so, and all in vain. Oh, for a trap, a trap, a trap! Just as he said this, what should hap at the chamber door but a gentle tap? Bless us, cried the mayor. What's that? With the corporation as he sat, looking little though wondrous fat, nor brighter was his eye, nor moister than a too long opened oyster, save when at noon his paunch grew muttonous, for a plate of turtle green and gluttonous. 
only a scraping of shoes on the mat? Anything like the sound of a rat makes my heart go pit-a-pat. Come in, the mayor cried, looking bigger. And in did come the strangest figure. His queer long coat from heel to head was half of yellow and half of red. And he himself was tall and thin, with sharp blue eyes, each like a pin. And light loose hair, yet swarthy skin, no tuft on cheek nor beard on chin. But lips where smiles went out and in, there was no guessing his kith or kin. And nobody could enough admire the tall man and his quaint attire. Quoth one, It's as if my great-grandsire, starting up at the trump of Doomstone, had walked this way from his painted tombstone. He advanced to the council table, and, Please, your honors, said he, I'm able, by means of a secret charm, to draw all creatures living beneath the sun, that creep or swim or fly or run after me, so as you never saw. And I chiefly use my charm on creatures that do people harm, the mole and told a newton viper, and people call me the Pied Piper. And here they noticed, round his neck, a scarf of red and yellow stripe, to match with his coat of the selfsame check. And at the scarf's end hung a pipe, and his fingers, they noticed, were ever straying, as if impatient to be playing, upon this pipe, as low it dangled over his vesture so old-fangled. Yet, said he, poor piper as I am, in Tartary I freed the cham, last June from his huge swarm of gnats. I eased in Asia the nizam of a monstrous brood of vampire bats. And as for what your brain bewilders, if I can rid your town of rats, will you give me a hundred guilders? One, fifty thousand, was the exclamation of the astonished mayor and corporation. Into the street the piper stepped, smiling first a little smile, as if he knew what magic slept in his quiet pipe the while. Then, like a musical adept, to blow the pipe his lips he wrinkled, and green and blue his sharp eyes twinkled, like a candle flame where salt is sprinkled. And ere three shrill notes the pipe uttered, you heard as if an army muttered, and the muttering grew to a grumbling, and the grumbling grew to a mighty rumbling, and out of the houses the rats came tumbling. Great rats, small rats, lean rats, brawny rats, brown rats, black rats, gray rats, tawny rats, grave old plotters, gay young friskers, mothers, fathers, uncles, cousins, cocking tails and pricking whiskers, families by tens and dozens, brothers, sisters, husbands, wives, followed the piper for their lives. From street to street he piped advancing, and step for step they followed dancing, until they came to the river Wesser, wherein all plunged and perished, save one who, stout as Julius Caesar, swam across, and lived to carry, as the manuscript he cherished, to Ratland home his commentary, which was, At the first shrill notes of the pipe, I heard a sound of a scraping tripe, and putting apples wondrous ripe into a cedar press's gripe and a moving away of pickle tub boards, and a leaving a jar of conserved cupboards, and a drawing the corks of trail oil flasks, and a breaking the hoops of butter casks, and it seemed as if a voice, sweeter far than by harp, or by pulse, or by psaltery, is breathed. Call out, O rats rejoice, the world is grown to one vast dry psaltery. So munch on, crunch on, take your nuncheon, breakfast, supper, dinner, luncheon. And just as a bulky sugar puncheon, already staved like a great sun shone, glorious scarce an inch before me, just as methought it said, Come, bore me, I found the wesser rolling o'er me. You should have heard the Hamlin people, ringing the bells till they rocked the steeple. Go, cried the mayor, and get long poles. Poke out the nests and block up the holes. Consult with carpenters and builders, and leave in our town not even a trace of the rats.
when suddenly, up the face of the piper perked in the marketplace, with a, First, if you please, my thousand guilders. A thousand guilders! The mayor looked blue, so did the corporation, too, for council dinners made rare havoc with Clarette, Moselle, Vindelgrave, Hawk, and half the money would replenish their seller's biggest butt with Rhenish. To pay this sum to a wandering fellow, with a gypsy coat of red and yellow? Beside, quoth the mayor, with a knowing wink, our business was done at the river's brink. We saw with our eyes the vermin sink, and what's dead cannot come to life, I think. So, friend, we're not the folks to shrink from the duty of giving you something to drink, and a matter of money to put in your poke, but as for the guilders, what we spoke of them, as you very well know, was in joke. Beside, our losses have made us thrifty. A thousand guilders? Come, take fifty. The piper's face fell, and he cried, No trifling! I can't wait! Beside, I've promised to visit by dinner-time Baghdad, and accept the prime of the head cook's pottage, all he's rich in for having left in the caliph's kitchen of a nest of scorpions no survivor. With him I proved no bargain driver. With you don't think I'll bait a stifer. And folks who put me in a passion may find me pipe to another fashion. How, cried the mayor, do you think I brook, being worse treated than a cook, insulted by a lazy ribald with idle pipe and vesture piebald? You threaten us, fellow? Do your worst. Blow your pipe there till you burst. One more he stepped into the street, and to his lips again laid his long pipe of smooth straight cane, and ere he blew three notes, such sweet soft notes, as yet musicians cunning never gave the enraptured air. There was a rustling that seemed like a bustling of merry crowds jostling and pitching and hustling. Small feet were pattering, wooden shoes clattering, little hands clapping and little tongues clattering. And, like foals in a farmyard, when barley is scattering, out came the children running, all the little boys and girls, with rosy cheeks and flaxen curls, and sparkling eyes and teeth like pearls, tripping and skipping, ran merrily after the wonderful music with shouting and laughter. The mayor was dumb and the council stood as if they were changed into blocks of wood, unable to move a step or cry to the children merrily skipping by, and could only follow with the eye that joyous crowd at the piper's back. But how the mayor was on the rack and the wretched council's bosom beat as the piper turned to the high street to where the Wesser rolled its waters, right in the way of their sons and daughters. However, he turned from south to west and to Kopelberg Hill his steps addressed, and after him the children pressed. Great was the joy in every breast. He never came cross that mighty top. He's forced to let the piping drop, and we shall see our children stop. When lo, as they reached the mountainside, a wondrous portal opened wide, as if a cavern was suddenly hollowed, and the piper advanced, and the children followed, and when all were in to the very last, the door in the mountainside shut fast. Did I say all? No. One was lame, and could not dance the whole of the way. And in after years, if you would blame his sadness, he used to say, It's dull in our town since my playmates left. I can't forget that I'm bereft of all the pleasant sights they see, which the piper also promised me. For he led us, he said, to a joyous land, joining the town and just at hand, where waters gushed and fruit trees grew, and flowers put forth a fairer hue, and everything was strange and new. The sparrows were brighter than the peacocks here, and their dogs outran our fallow deer, and honeybees had lost their stings, and horses were born with eagles' wings, and just as I became assured my lame foot would be speedily cured, the music stopped, and I stood still, and found myself outside the hill, left alone against my will, to go now limping as before, and never hear of that country more. 
Alas, alas for Hamlin! There came into many a burgher's pate a text which says that heaven's gate opens to the rich at as easy rate as the needle's eye takes a camel in. The mayor sent east, west, north, and south to offer the piper by word of mouth wherever it was men's lot to find him, silver and gold to his heart's content if he only return the way he went and bring the children behind him. But when they saw twas a lost endeavor and piper and dancers were gone forever, they made a decree that lawyers never should think their records dated duly if after the day of the month and year these words did not as well appear and so long after what happened here on the twenty-second of july thirteen hundred and seventy-six and the better in memory to fix the place of the children's last retreat they called it the pied piper's street where anyone playing on pipe or tabor was sure for the future to lose his labor nor suffered they hostelry or tavern to shock with mirth a street so solemn but opposite the place of the tavern they wrote the story on a column and on the great church window painted the same to make the world acquainted however their children were stolen away and there it stands to this very day and i must not omit to say that in trans Pennsylvania, there's a tribe of alien people who ascribe to the outlandish ways and dress on which their neighbors lay such stress to their fathers and mothers having risen out of some subterranean prison into which they were trepanned long time ago in a mighty band out of Hamlin Town in Brunswick land but how or why they don't understand so willie let you and me be wipers of scores out with all men especially pipers and whether they pipe us free from rats or from mice if we've promised them aught let us keep our promise thank you for listening i welcome you back any time you need to hear a comforting voice or a familiar bedtime story but for now let's prepare your mind and body for some much needed rest Start by checking in with your body and making sure you are as comfortable as possible. Place the tip of your tongue on the tissue right behind the top front teeth. Slowly exhale and empty the lungs of air. Through the nose, breathe in quietly for four seconds. Three, four. Hold the breath for a count of seven seconds. Five, six, seven purse your lips and exhale forcefully through the mouth making a whoosh sound for eight seconds six seven eight if you need to you can repeat this cycle up to four times but any more than four and you might start to feel lightheaded or dizzy remember that if you find it too difficult to hold your breath on the count of seven you can use a shorter cycle of two seconds breathing in, hold your breath for 3.5 seconds, and exhale for four seconds. Good night and sleep well, my friend. <laughs>